0: You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. All right, how's everybody doing? Yeah. Man, you guys have been interacting all morning, clapping and cheering. I love it. So we're going to have some interaction today. Is that good? Are you good with that? All right, good. Awesome. Well, if you have a Bible, grab it. Um, if you don't, we would love for you to hold the Word of God in your hand. There's two ways that I think that's easy to do that. One, on the tables as well as in the aisles, there's some Bibles uh, that you can hold in your hand, as well as the UVersion Bible app. We really, uh, that you can download that. It's a great tool to have. There's some Bible reading plans on there. Um, so download that, grab the Bible. Uh, we're actually going to start in Numbers 5 today. Um, so go through some Levitical law. You guys excited about this? History class. School's back in session. Let's hear it for the teachers and admin. Yeah, super excited. Um, Been praying for you all. I know that kind of ramping up, getting back into school, the kids getting out of summer mode. They feel like they've been shorted summer because it's a short summertime, getting back into school. And so um, we're just praying for you that God give you strength and wisdom and discernment to lead these kids, um, uh, which is huge, which is so important. And so we thank you for your service. Um, Man, I just want to especially thank the band today. Um, They killed it, they did a great job. Um, So it's here for the band. And one of the things that I don't think that sometimes we realize and recognize is how much work, effort, and energy goes into what they just did. Um, Everything this morning went haywire. Um, And so they were scrambling to try to figure out all the problems that go wrong uh, or that went wrong that we don't even know why they went wrong. Um, And they um, led us into the presence of Jesus so beautifully in the midst of stress, which is really difficult. Um, and uh, I'm really excited that John's here. John Stockland, and his family, Christine, and his kids. Let's hear it for John. Um, just uh, love uh, getting to hang out with him and his family. Uh, if you don't know this, uh, Mark Stockland from Haiti Bible Mission, who has been here before, he's taught here before. Um, John is his little brother. Um, so yes, they are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four brothers. Um, and so John is the youngest. And uh, and so we're really excited to just have you guys here, be a part of the, the family. And um, so. We're in a series, Everyone, um, and God has, as Ben shared before, has given each one of us who profess faith in Jesus Christ a story to share with every person that we come in contact with. Every man, every woman, every child, we have the opportunity to be lights in the midst of darkness. So we're in this series, Everyone. To refocus our hearts and minds and realize that that we have a story to here God has given every single believer a story to proclaim his good news to everybody around us see each one of us have a circle of influence we know people we go to work with people we go to school with people we we have neighbors coworkers, whatever it may be we have somebody around us family members that that we can share good news with and so our hope is, is as we go through the stories of Jesus and see how he impacted and changed people's lives for his glory, that we can see that they went and they shared their stories so that you and I are actually sitting here today reading them. I mean, that's pretty huge. Because I think sometimes we think that our story doesn't matter. But there is a woman who meets Jesus at a well and then goes into the city of Samaria and then shares what Jesus did for her. She didn't know theology. She didn't know doctrine. She didn't know uh, omnipotence and omniscience. She didn't uh, know, go to seminary. All she did was she went and she shared her interaction and her relationship that she had just created with the Savior of the world. And I think sometimes we think, well, I'm not ready to share the gospel. I'm not, I, don't, I don't know it well enough. What if they ask me questions? We are called to share what God has done in our lives through the power of Jesus. That's it. It's our story. It's our what uh, a Christianese term is testimony that God has given us to share his good news and so we're gonna start in numbers 5 and I know we don't often read uh, these how many of you uh, do deep dives into Leviticus, Deuteronomy and Numbers yeah All right, Tori you've got it memorized right I believe Uh, do you know that like school back then for the Israelites like they would bring the kids and they would memorize like the first five books of the Bible that's pretty crazy Um, and so we're going to numbers 5 And uh, it goes into some of the laws. And so here's what we need to know about laws. Um, We interact with laws all day. And sometimes we don't even realize or know that we're interacting with laws. So like the speed limit, that's a law that you should all follow. Um, Not me, but you should all, no, uh, right? We break it all the time, but that's a law. Stoplights, I mean, we don't even think about this, but stoplights are a law. Like that's something that's put in place to keep uh, things from going into chaos. If you've ever been to a third world country where there are no streetlights, it is crazy. Like the whole time you're pumping the brake that you don't have in front of you because people are just driving everywhere. So we have these laws, and um, there are some laws in our s- states and in our country that we're not, we're maybe a little less familiar with. So, like in Washington, um, there is a, a actual law from 1969 that says it is illegal to kill bear, uh, Bigfoot. It's illegal to kill barefoot. Bigfoot. That's, uh, that's a felony, and if you do kill him, um, it's punishable by law for five years in prison. And so you should know that if you're going to live in Washington. Um, and uh, I do believe, though, if you do kill Bigfoot, that you would probably come up with like, some kind of a book deal. You'd be on Ellen. I think you'd be pretty famous. So five years in prison, famous, I don't know. All right, so in Tennessee, you can't hold public office if you've been in a duel. You know, like you walk steps and you turn around and you, right? So you can't hold public office if you've been in a duel. So we have uh, news headlines, you know, governor impeached, pictures surfaced, governor's in a duel. All right, in North Carolina, it's illegal to hold a meeting while wearing a mask, hood, or other costume. Um, Mostly true uh, until COVID hit, right? Imagine like two years ago, walking into the bank with a mask on, like going into an airplane with a mask on, like you wouldn't have been able to. Now all of a sudden something has happened, a pandemic, and now it's like you're not allowed to even in those without masks, right? But, but that is a law in North Carolina. And so we have these laws, most of which are important, right, they keep peace, they keep us safe, um, right? I don't want people running around, murdering others or, or stealing things, right? We have these laws to, to protect us, keep order. And so we come into Numbers 5 and we see that that is the same thing. So God has a law and he gives us his law to protect us, to keep us safe. And so look at Numbers chapter 5, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean Through contact with the dead, you shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. And the people of Israel did so, and they put them outside the camp, as the Lord said to Moses, So the people of Israel did. Man, we can read that and be like, what does that have to do with anything that goes on today? That's kind of crazy to think that if someone um, is leprous, they have these skin lesions, or they have a discharge, or they've been in contact with the dead, that they are now going to be brought outside the camp. We have to understand the setting of what's going on here. So the people of Israel just left Egypt. They are wandering in the wilderness. They have tents and cattle and what may be up to millions of people traveling through the wilderness. And then every so often they would stop and they would set up camp and they would uh, put up their tents, and they would get together. Um, and then, what the the law that God is saying there is: if someone is, uh, in a lot of ways, really sick, or if has contact with someone who's really sick, leprous, leprosy was known to be contagious at that point. Um, that you have to send them outside the camp. So the camp would be all of where everybody was, and then outside of that, almost outcast. And that's that sounds like in our culture a little extreme, maybe. Um, But if you want to, like, really think about it, I mean, think about if it's your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, who all of a sudden starts getting these lesions, these things on their skin, or having a discharge that now they are going to have to be sent outside the camp where there's not safety, where there's not protection. Now being isolated, sent out, alone. Imagine your spouse having to be sent out. That's not a good thing, right? Husbands, turn to your wife and be like, not you. I'm not letting you go right I'm setting you up guys come on It's a ball right all right so it's right you send them outside the camp I mean this is this is huge and there's a a pastor author lean Duncan um, who wrote a couple of uh, reasons primary reasons why this would have been there's some practical reasons there's some theological reasons and there's some Christological reasons reasons that point to Christ and so um, I just want to go through those real quick before we actually dive into Luke chapter 5 where we see Jesus interact with someone who has leprosy. So, the first, practical reasons why this would have been. They didn't have modern medicine. If a disease like this would have sprung up in the midst of this camp, in the wilderness where it was hot, where they didn't have the ability to have um, medicine or bandages or things like that to help these people, to isolate them from the community, diseases like this would have spread like wildfire. It would have killed large chunks of the population of the people of Israel as they were journeying through the wilderness. And so, this had some really practical reasons of why they would have done this. They were trying to protect the entirety of the nation of Israel. Now, this physical disease points us to a deeper issue, which is a spiritual or an emotional defilement. The words that are used here, are similar words that are used to talk about um, people who are unclean in defilement as a transgression against a holy God, those words are used to just to talk about someone who has sin in their lives. That's what we talk about. We say defilement, sin, unclean, transgression. So what is sin? Sin is if God tells you to do something and you don't do it. So if God says do this and you don't do it, that's sin. But also, if God tells you not to do something and you do that thing anyway, that's also sin. So if he tells you not to do something and you do it, sin. If he tells you to do something and you don't do it, sin. And so that's a transgression against a holy God. We have to remember that the law was given to the people to protect them, to keep them safe. Lepers were physically defiled, so they were cast out alone. Their disease made them unworthy to be inside the camp. But now there are some theological reasons that this law would have been in place. So the, theologically, these reasons would have been that these laws tell us about God, who he is. So first, that God is holy. He's talking to them about not defiling their camp because he dwells within their midst. God is a holy God, and he can't be in the presence of defilement, of sin. And so that's where the problem comes in for you and I. If we don't know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, there is a large chasm between us us And God we were created to be in perfect harmony perfect relationship with God but when we sinned there became this chasm that we could not overcome with any good work with any morality with any amount of money we could not overcome this defilement God is holy and can only be in the presence of holiness and we have now been made unclean we have transgression we have been cast out so it says God is holy but it also speaks about his presence. God is present. He is in the midst of a people. God has a people that he has called unto himself to be in relationship with him. So this chasm that sits between all of humanity and God has been overcome. And he has called a people to himself to bring them back inside of his holiness. Now for the people of Israel, there were some ceremonial laws that they had to do to be able to be inside the camp. So if someone was outside the camp and they so if they touched something that was unclean or some a dead body and they had to be cast out of the into into the outside the camp, they had to go through a ritual of cleansing before coming back inside the camp. Right? Same thing if a leper all of a sudden if his leprosy went away, there was a process for him to come back into. these are ceremonial laws that we see uh, not only in numbers, but we see this in Leviticus 13, 14 and 15. If you want some deep dive reading, go read those after church. Um, and so they come back in through these laws. So God is holy. God is present. And theologically we also see that God speaks. I think too often we don't recognize or realize that God actually speaks to His people. It says, in the Lord spoke to Moses, saying this. So he is guiding, he is protecting, he is leading his people throughout their defilement. So then where does this Christological peace take place? Where does all of this point to Christ? Because I'm sure in the wilderness, when the people were there, there is not this understanding or idea of Christ. Now, they would have known through the law that there was going to be a coming Messiah. They would have known that there's going to be someone that is coming to save their people. But ultimately, they didn't know about Jesus like we know about Jesus. That Jesus was actually a real person. That's not just Bible talk. That's like history talk. Jesus lived on this earth. History shows it. Google it. Type in most influential leader of all time. Jesus pops up. So he's a real person that's here. And so we see and we look back and see that there was a man who was crucified saying that he was God, that people murdered him because he was stirring this uproar of, for the um, Jews at that point, saying that he was going to bring a kingdom that they did not know of. And so we know of Jesus. They didn't necessarily understand and see Jesus yet. And so how is Numbers 5 pointing to Jesus? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 5. If you can, turn there with me. This is where we're going to land. Luke chapter 5. These laws from Numbers and Leviticus were still in play when Jesus was walking on the earth. So the Israelites going through the wilderness, they get to the promised land. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. There's a baby that's born in Bethlehem. Fast forward. Now Jesus is starting his ministry, around 30 years old. And he's going into different cities. He's proclaiming the kingdom has come. And when he's saying the kingdom has come, he's saying, I am this Messiah that the first five books of the Bible have been talking about, that all the prophets have been talking about. I am he. Now there's a small group of men and women that are following Jesus as he's proclaiming this. And he's walking down the road and he's starting his ministry, right? We, we're a church plant. We're six years old. So, right, you're, you're starting this ministry. God is in their midst. God is doing these crazy works. Water's turning into wine. He's healing people. Like, they're starting to get some traction, right? You ever hear of, a, like, a mission movement that's starting to get some traction and, like, things are starting to go well. People are starting to come. People are being saved. And then enter a leper. Luke, chapter 5, verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him. Here's the deal. In that day and age, a leper was not allowed to approach anybody. So the fact that this leper was coming up to Jesus in a distance that Jesus would have been able to, to hear him and see him, let alone be at his feet, was huge. A person who feels alone. A person that has been outcast. A person that is existing outside the camp. A person that feels like they've been abandoned. A person that is waiting for death to occur. Somebody that is hopeless and helpless. Someone that has to beg people for just mere supplies to survive as they are outside the camp. This person would have been completely at the end of their rope. This person would have had no hope. And he hears of a man named Jesus who is going throughout these communities. And he's like, this is my only chance. This is my only hope. I know I'm not allowed to approach him. I know I'm not allowed to go near him. But what other hope do I have if I go near him? What are they going to do, lock me up? I'm already cast outside the city. He's like, so I'm going to go and I'm going to beg. And hopefully he has mercy on me. And so, this man full of leprosy, when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus and his disciples turn and run the other way because they're so afraid of catching this disease. And Jesus stretched out his hand. Listen. The beauty of the gospel. Could Jesus have spoken and said, be clean? 100%. Could Jesus have been from a distance, went, yeah, 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 hey, just keep your distance, but hey, listen, you know, you can be clean, go do these rituals, and then you'll come back. Jesus stretches out his hand. His disciples have no idea what's going on right now. They know the law. They know the moment that Jesus touches this man, Jesus now has to be cast outside the city. They know that Jesus is going to be deemed unclean because he's touching a leper. They know all this. Jesus' ministry is rocking right now, it is ramping up. He's about to like become the most famous uh, leader of that day. I mean, he's, they, they see this. The disciples are ready, they're following this man that they're hoping is going to become the next megachurch pastor. Jesus stretches out his hand. I could just imagine Peter and John and James grabbing Jesus and trying to hold him back from touching the leper. Jesus, you don't know what you're doing. What does Jesus do? He stretches out his hand and he touches the leper. And the leper doesn't make Jesus unclean, Jesus makes the leper clean. This is the beauty of the gospel. That Jesus, in our hurt, in our pain, in our brokenness, in our hopelessness, wraps his arms around us, not because we are worthy, we are unclean. We are defiled. We have transgressed him, and he wraps his arms around us, and he says, Be clean. Why? Because he is willing. Amen? And so, we see here that while he's there, this man full of lips, comes, in verse 13, and Jesus stretches out his hand and he touches him and he says, I will be clean. And what happens? The leprosy immediately leaves him. And he charges him, charges him, go and tell no one, go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing. This offering for the cleansing is crazy. Like in Leviticus uh, chapter 14, there are these ceremonial laws the priest commands them to take two live clean birds and some cedar wood and some scarlet yarn and some hyssop and like he has to, you know, um, tie, he kills one of the birds, pours the blood out and ties the, uh, burns some cedar wood, ties one of the birds up live, dips it in the blood, uh, then has some water and like this is pretty crazy. Like imagine if you came here today and I said, this is how you get into a relationship with God, right? First you got to go to, uh, what is it, PetSmart, get some birds then uh, run over to Home Depot, get some cedar wood, uh, joy in fabric, scarlet yarn. Uh, then you got to go find someone that's selling essential oils, get some Hiss up, right? Get those essential oils up in there because those do fix everything, right? And so um, Jesus does what the ceremonial laws cannot do he heals him. And not only does he heal him, with, with a physical, you know, just go. But he offers each and every person an opportunity to have their inward defilement, their inward transgression, their inward hopelessness to be made clean through the blood of his son, Jesus. That is the beauty of the gospel. If you've come here today and you believe that, then you have a story to share. And if you came here today and you don't believe that, Jesus is telling you, I will be clean. He desires for you to know him and have a relationship with him because he loves you. So, what are our responses to this? I think there are, there's a personal response, and I think there's a missional response. Personally, You come to Jesus you need to know that he is willing to save you no matter what I often talk to people who think that they are the exception to the salvation that Jesus offers they think that man you don't even know what I've done they think you don't like I've had people say to me I can't come to church why because if I step foot in the building the building's gonna burn down You don't know what I've done in my past. You don't know the hurt that I've caused. You don't know, I, I was in an adulterous relationship. I got a divorce. I did this to my family. I was this. I had that. This happened to me. Whatever the story is, personally your response, you have to know that if you come to Jesus, Jesus knows exactly what you need in your moment of weakness. And he wraps your, his arms around you, no matter what disease you think you have. And he says, be clean, because of your faith in me. Not because you can earn your way back, not because you can uh, do something like dip some, a bird in blood or anything, but because he loves you, and because he died for you. So that's the personal response. But then there's a missional response to this. This is how this ties into our series, Everyone. We all have a story that's going to point people to Jesus. And the response is to share what God has done for you with everybody that you know. And here's the deal. If you bring someone to Jesus, if you start sharing your testimony with them, you have to trust that Jesus knows what to do with them, that Jesus knows what they need. I think often we don't share our testimony. We don't share because we're so self-focused and we're like, yeah, well, they know that I used to blah, 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 blah. Like, they're not going to believe me, blah, 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 blah. They're going to think I'm crazy. God says, go, therefore, and tell people about my good news. And you have to trust that Jesus knows what he's doing. And he is already at work in the lives of the people around you. You want a place to start? Start praying for them before you go talk to them. Start asking that the Spirit of God would begin to prepare their hearts and minds to hear the message. You're not responsible for their response. You're responsible to share. So the missional response to to this story is that this man, even though he was, now Jesus charged him, don't go tell anyone why, because Jesus wasn't ready in this moment for uh, all the crowds to come out and gather around him, but this man couldn't keep it in. I love in uh, Mark 1.45, it says, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter into a town. Like, his life was changed. He was out in the wilderness. He was alone, he was broken, he was hopeless, and he is now saved. How in the world can he not share that story? I think often we think, especially if we've grown up in the church, that we didn't know defilement. We didn't know what it meant to be unclean. We don't really remember that. I want you to know, no matter whether you were saved at four or 40, you have a story to share because you have a God that brought you from death to life. And so, what should the outcome of this be? One, to rest. Rest in the finished work of Jesus. When he was on the cross, he didn't say, to be continued, he said, it is finished. So, as believers, we rest. We rest knowing that he has done everything that he needs to do to save our souls. And then, with excitement, we go and we tell others. Just like this leper goes, I couldn't contain it. He runs, like people would have known his defilement. Think about that. Have you ever not shared the gospel because you were like, well, they knew my past, they know what I've done. People knew he was a leper. People knew he was outside the camp. People knew that he was outcast. And so he's running through the city now, and everybody's like, whoa. (laughs) Like, you were, you were, and he's like, yeah, I know, I was out there, but now I'm here. Yeah, I know what you did. Yeah, I know what I did too. I know where I was, but this is where I am. And guess what? I didn't do anything to deserve it. God brought me here. This is the good news that we have to share with every man, every woman, and every child that we come into contact with. You, believer, have been called to go share good news. You have. I think often we are so fearful of what the culture and the people around us are going to say. So we need to rest in his finished work and with excitement go and tell others about his good news. Amen? Can I pray for us? Jesus. Oh. Thank you. Thank you for your cross. God, we thank you for your word that brings us from the wilderness in Numbers 5 to the cross of Jesus. God, your word is the story of reconciliation between humanity and God. Your word that spoke all things into being, into creation, that word became flesh and it dwelt among us. And that word was the light of men and that light brought life. And if there are people here today that have been brought from death to life, there are people here today that says, yes, I am a believer, I am a Christian, then you have equipped and empowered them with your Holy Spirit to go and tell others good news. And so God, right now, I pray that you would give every single believer in here the courage and the ability to go and share good news. And God, if there is someone here today that doesn't know you, there's someone here today that feels like they've been left outside the camp, if there's someone here today that feels like they are helpless and hopeless and broken, whether it is depression, anxiety, um, divorce, adultery. God, whatever the sin may be, lying, cheating, stealing, addiction, drugs, alcohol, God, whatever it may be, whatever hurt, whatever habit, whatever hang-up they have, God, I pray that they would feel your arms wrap around them, saying, I will be clean. God, that they would know that there is nothing in all of the earth that can separate us from your love. God, this is the good news. This is what we believe. God, give us a passion, a desire, a heart to go make disciples. Because this world is not our home and we are not promised tomorrow. All COVID did, God, was introduce another way for us to die. But there are multiple, many, many ways in this world that will take the breath out of our lungs but God we believe that we have life outside of this world we believe that there is an eternity that we get to experience the goodness of you experience joy and fulfillment and satisfaction in you and you alone so God if we have forgotten that God I pray that you would reignite our hearts for a passion for a desire for a love to experience you and know you, to fall more and more in love with you every day. God, I pray specifically over our children. God, I love coming in here on a Sunday morning and being bombarded by kids. God, if they don't see their parents sharing your good news, it will be very difficult for them to know what that looks like. So God, I pray that we as adults, God, would be an example for them that we would continually share the gospel with them. That we wouldn't let a night go by where we don't tell them about the love of Jesus. God, on Sunday mornings, God, when we come in here, I pray that we not just walk by one another and just sit in a seat and ignore the people around us, but that we enter into community, enter into a family where we can be known and know one another. And I know for some that's vulnerable, that's, that's, um, that's scary, but God, I pray that you would overcome their fear, overcome their anxiety, so that they may experience the fullness of the body of Christ that you have intended. God, we only have one life to live. We only have breath in our lungs for so long. So I pray that we would not waste it by going through the motions. But that I, that my wife, that my kids, that every person that is here would... such a way where we have no other choice, no other desire than to go share that good news with everybody we come in contact with. God, as we worship your name right now, as we sing praises to you, I pray, God, that your spirit would move mightily in this place. Flood our hearts. In your name that we